Welcome to Tech Breakfast, today's top headlines served hot by your host Aaron Bewley and Tyler Gates. So grab your coffee and let's get into it. It's Monday, June 29th. Tyler, how are you doing, sir? So good, man. So good. Had a good weekend. It was a bit of a, a haul, but it was nice. And now I've got my coffee and I'm starting my week off strong with some tech breakfast. Awesome, man. I finally finished our chicken coop. So that's good. Yeah, I saw that. Saw your announcement on Twitter. That's exciting. I want to see I want to see it in person here soon, hopefully. Yeah, man. Well, come on over. Play with the chickens. They're fun. They are, it's, it's been pretty interesting. I didn't really <laughs> know chickens. Do what? You have any left? I know I know you had a, <laughs> yeah, one, one that got picked off fast. The one that one that was attacked early on. Did that one die? Yeah, they both died. They both oh. so I witnessed both of their deaths, which is like, <laughs> what are the odds? That does seem yeah. odd. The brazenness of the wildlife around here, although the snake had no idea I was there, but the hawk came down, decided it wanted to disembowel the chicken and then take it off, you know, fly off into the trees. <laughs> but yeah, the snake was anyway, whatever. Let's get to the news. Uh, fun fact, <laughs> what? I was going to say, I have a perfect transition from the chicken coop because I actually okay. found some news about chickens. They're fascinating. They're pretty funny. I, one thing I didn't realize, because I don't do anything with chickens, um, I have a tiny, tiny lot. You eat them? Oh, of course. Yes, I consume them readily. In fact, lots and lots of people do, obviously. They are one of the uh, most prevalent forms of protein around the world. But what I did not know about them is that we did not really know the origin of the modern chicken. There has been speculation, uh, even Darwin speculated where they came from. And uh, I forget the exact speculatory path he went through, but it said something that they're probably uh, kin of a particular type of bird that's predominant in India. So he thought that they were perhaps domesticated in India. Well, there was a project that was uh, centered around getting to the bottom of it. So they fully mapped the chicken genome. That's fairly easy because we have access to lots of it. But what we didn't have was access to lots of genomes of other species of birds that would have been from potential areas. And so they were able to map the genome of lots of things. And now they think that the modern chicken first uh, crossed the road, as it were, in uh, Southeast <laughs> Asia. And um, it is uh, likely a domesticated pheasant from, I guess, parts of China. And okay. I thought that was neat. And yeah. it also makes sense. You think about pheasant and where they are, even in the United States, right? All, all of that sort of came from the U.S. And they, they are very meaty birds as well, um, more colorful and more likely to fly. But, but yeah, I thought that was cool. That is cool. And there is a wide range of types of chickens. I did not oh, know sure. this. I've learned a lot about chickens lately. <laughs> I also learned that whenever I pick them up to move them, my tummy kind of growls because I can feel all their meat. Oh, <laughs> wow. just, it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Interesting. Yeah. I, uh, I can feel what it would feel like to hold the chick anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but they're, they're interesting little animals. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I always love their, um, the, the head, and how like gyroscopic their head can be when you move their bodies around, you know? They, they yes, just and my kids still. will do That's... that. <laughs> they pick them up and they move them around, and their heads just stay perfect. I love it. I, that is fascinating to me. What's interesting too is uh, so we have three different kinds, and the black star ones that we have—they're my favorite. They seem to be like the you know most uh, curious, and they're also the largest and fastest, and um, seem to be the smartest out of the ones we have. Chickens aren't that smart. 
but um, I like the uh, the black stars. And then the the interesting fact about them is that they are sex linked. So as soon as they hatch, you can tell if they're male or female because of what they look like, huh. right? The, the the traits that they have, the markings and all that kind of stuff are linked to whether they are male or female, which is cool. That is so, cool. It's pretty interesting. And, and interesting. Yeah, yeah. All right, um, let's move off of chickens. Um, <laughs> and uh, today, fun fact, the very first iPhone was released 13 years ago, 2007. That is insane. That yeah. is absolutely insane. I'm glad I was alive and was you know, in that age group that made the iPhone so exciting. Like That was perfect timing for me because it was close enough to my fingertips that it was accessible, but for me personally, it was just far enough away where it's like, oh my gosh, I want that shiny object, but I can't quite have it. That was yeah. the iPhone. And it was obviously such amazing technology, especially coming off of the heels of the iPod Touch, which had, I think was out for a couple of years before that. And everyone was like, why isn't this a phone? Why isn't this a phone? And then boom, iPhone. And it was both shocking and not shocking at all that it happened, right? Yeah. I can just remember maybe, I guess it was like, six or seven years ago thinking how it felt like the iPhone had been out forever because of yes. how much it changed the world. And then I was like, yeah. wow, it really only came out like seven years ago. So that's, that's nothing. It, and it is, that is, it's crazy. 13 years. And now just think about every tablet with a touchscreen, every cell phone that's modern and app based every gosh, even the touchscreen laptops and sort of the injection of mobile interface design into more classic forms of computing. And all of that basically started with Apple and the iPod Touches and the iPhone. And, and I know that that's taking a lot of credit away from organizations like Palm with Palm Pilots and all of the just a little bit too early technologies that didn't catch on. But I mean, credit where credit's due, Apple nailed it. They, they got the adoption that kicked off what is arguably one of the most just prevalent technological leaps in pocket computing, right? Because yeah. everyone got it and it created a ton of new ways to consume things, which drove the entire industry towards that so fervently, right? Yeah, what's interesting, I'm curious what you think about this. Um, it's rumored that when the iPhone 12 comes out later this year, it won't have any sort of earbuds or a power adapter. That's true, because it's Apple, so you got to sell all that stuff extra. <laughs> That's right. There's a and dongle joke the in there. The third-party marketplace is not nearly as vibrant as other hardware platforms. It's all money to Apple. In fact, that's probably helping their stock go up because people are still going to buy it, and then they're going to buy more of the other stuff. Yeah, I don't. I think that's goofy. Like, who doesn't need to charge their phone? Or are they arguing everybody that owns an iPhone already owns a power brick for it, so we're doing you a favor Well, I think so. not reducing the price of this phone at all, but pretending like we are. Yeah, well, I think what's happening now is um, the the AirPods... <laughs> yeah, that's funny. I think the, the AirPods <laughs> are becoming so prevalent that, that why, why put in the wired earbuds if yeah. pretty much nobody's going to use them? Uh, I'm looking over at my wall here where I actually have literally three pairs of wired uh, iPhone <laughs> earbuds yeah. or whatever that are hanging there that I'd never use um, with my other headphones I, and stuff. I guess I feel them on the earphone but, one, right? 
Cause yeah. I, I'm with you. But, like, I think at this point, most people have it and there's, there are better options that are inexpensive all over the place. Uh, so, so I kind of get that one. Yeah. Okay. So for the other one, the, the power brick, I think the argument there is they're trying to push everyone towards wireless. I think they're eventually going to get to a phone that has no ports, right? They that's, still have the lightning port and there was, they took a lot believable. of crap because they, they, well, they didn't take the move have to USB. Port, give me my damn brick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there's enough of them out there. Right. And honestly, I don't know how many people use the brick versus just having their USB cable plugged into either a computer or like an outlet that has a USB plug on it or something like that. You know, Man. I think I, they're just trying to, I mean, honestly, like kudos for them for not producing stuff that just ends up in a landfill maybe yeah if that's the I case know. i i don't know i'm i i use bricks all the time right um mostly because fast charging is totally worth it for me and then it's side yeah. of, from my bedside table where i can take a slow charge and i don't care because it's overnight i i'm looking for higher voltage higher amperage power access and you only get that through a good dc converter you know you get those usb ports on your laptop stuff like that they don't they don't usually charge as fast i'm not saying you can't obviously there's thunderbolt there's usb c it's it's possible but that's not everywhere at all and uh, most of the bricks that i have laying around from other devices that don't require higher power and stuff like that they aren't going to fast charge my phone but um so i i still use bricks a lot and I, obviously, I'm not the average user per se, but I find it hard to believe that people aren't going to want to have a cable and something to plug their phone into. So it just seems like a slight. Yeah. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe you're right. Maybe everybody just needs to go buy wireless. But I would, I would think the right way to do that, and maybe this is the right answer for the earbuds too, is make a less expensive, less capable pair of decent wireless earbuds and put those into your your case because i still think there are a lot of people that don't want to buy a very expensive phone and then have to go buy very expensive accessories yeah and assuming they all have it is kind of aggressive in my opinion i don't think that is aggressive man i I think i think your average iphone user has jumped from um maybe from model to model to model now they have a basket of bricks and a and a you know a, a trove of uh wired headphones right and i and i would argue against the make a lower end less capable set of wireless headphones like that there's i don't think there's a market for that everyone's looking for the best most right, capable bundle it with the phone <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is uh, the market right. yeah <laughs> but then everyone will like anyway all right whatever yeah no no i like i understand the side and i hope i hope you're right in that their data shows that people don't use those and so they're waste or yeah. they don't need the bricks for the same reason right if that's the intent, fantastic. If the intent is create demand for more AirPods and either third-party or first-party adapters for charging, wireless or otherwise, then boo. So yeah. it, it all, all goes back to motivation in that case, at least for me. Okay. Well, we're halfway through our show now, so let's, uh, let's jump on to the next <laughs> thing. If you have strong feelings on this, please write to us on the show. We'd love to hear what you have to say. Yeah. All right. Looking for your thoughts on this one. So California's Santa Cruz, that's a city in California. uh, They became the first U.S. city to ban predictive policing. Really? Yeah. What? uh, Ah, So they're they're getting ahead of the curve, huh? Yeah. I I mean, I think I already know your answer here. Yeah. No, I think think predictive policing is, is... actually pretty much anti-american um so i'm o- i'm okay with seeing that that being banned I, it doesn't surprise me that 
anywhere in California was sort of the first to to come out and sort of legally say this isn't going to be a thing. Um, I don't think it's going to work on small scales, though. So that's almost certainly going to need need to be either state or nationally done. Yeah. I, I think that if we get into a situation where we are doing anything that that is even tangentially related to sort of the pre-crime stuff that you get out of sci-fi that that it will pretty quickly find itself at the supreme court and um i I can only hope that the idea of innocent until proven guilty and pre-crime not being a crime will be withheld and this will become more prevalent but that is interesting i kind of look forward to reading that yeah i'm curious if uh if any of the listeners around the world have uh have seen that in any of their cities and in any of their countries, if this conversation is being had at the state or, or not the state, but at the local or, uh, or country level, right. Depending on what you, and how your government is set up. I think, I think the grief that I have with it and, and it could just be semantics here. Right. But if it's, if it is pre crime, what have you done that broke the law that means there are any ramifications, Right. You can you can think about doing things that are illegal all the time, and it is not illegal to have thought about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I, I think thinking about jaywalking won't... is not jaywalking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's a fact. But I, I think what the the dangerous situation you get into, like in Minority Report, right, where they show up to stop a murder, and then they arrest the guy for murder. Yeah. It, you know exactly. So, so, but I, I don't think in, yeah. y- you have to have a law against thinking about doing a crime before you can get people for doing pre-crimes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. how our legal system works. You have to break a law to be, you know, indicted as an example. So it, first you have to make it illegal to think about crime. Like I don't even, where, where to even draw that line. It's just, it's yeah. way too murky. It doesn't make sense. Right. Well, and, and I guess what I'm saying is the way it may translate early is police may show up on my doorstep knocking saying, oh, you know, we, we tracked your, you, you seem to be doing things differently lately. You know, what I mean? <laughs> we have, we've seen you go to this store, that store and travel along these roads and talk to these people. Suddenly mm. there's a massive shift in everything that you're doing. We'd like to talk to you about that. You know, sure. how are your feelings today? You know, yeah. it's like, yeah, well, you so if you're going to do that, <laughs> then you got to have a pre-crime division and it needs to be staffed entirely with de-escalation people that are basically, you know, psychiatrists, right? It's a mental yeah. health division. And sure. their goal is to go and, and stop something from happening, but doing it through a de-escalation slant instead of a lock them up stance, I guess. Yeah, sure. Well, but then it, like, it, yeah, but then it, then it becomes this thing where I have to answer to my local authorities because I picked up a new hobby, right? Or I changed <laughs> jobs. Right. Or, Which is absurd. I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't need my government involved that much in my day-to-day life. All right. Let's move on. <laughs> um, so we talked about this right at the beginning of COVID. We celebrated the fact that uh, the data caps on AT&T, Comcast, T-Mobile mm. were gone due to COVID. Could have cool seen this move. coming. Yeah, so they're all returning starting June 30th. Shocker. Yeah, as well as late fees. They'll be back oh, too. Oh, surprise, surprise. Yep. So it was a gift, and it was not a, a sea change in how they do business. I think what's weird about that is that the the demand for data was very clearly something that they could handle. 
because he probably doesn't get much worse than everyone at home all the time streaming all of their stuff, all their, you know, Zoom sessions, all their Netflix, all their video games. And so it's obviously not an infrastructure problem for them. This, to me, just screams greed. I don't want to be completely unfair. I don't know their business model well enough to know if the reason that they're hurting financially is because they're terrible service providers or because it's actually more expensive than what they tend to charge customers for bandwidth. But I just, I I find it hard to believe that this is anything but dollars and cents, not necessary. Just don't improve your service, just increase your costs. (laughs) Yep. All right. What you got, man? Uh, let's see. Oh, I saw a neat article about a, a startup that just came out of stealth called third wave automation. That is, uh, I don't want to say pioneering cause I don't think they're alone here, but they're, uh, well along the autonomous forklift path. And, uh, it was, it was pretty cool because the projected growth of warehousing and warehouse operations is pretty insane. I think there's a lot of proof in what the, Amazon hired up 100,000 employees kind of early COVID to to help with that sort of stuff. So that, that industry is obviously booming and will probably continue just from a consumer perspective. It all makes sense, right? But um, apparently, and anyone that's worked in a facility where you've got forklifts, right, that you require a lot of training and it's a specialized job because it's dangerous and the the equipment, it's heavy machinery, right? It's it's all yeah. kind of buzzwords that you hear about that stuff. But it, it is apparently difficult to keep up with staffing for forklift drivers. And so this actually fills Because they all keep a, getting fired for like knocking over. <laughs> I mean, you've seen the gifts. <laughs> oh my you've God. The, yeah. You've seen the videos of like somebody messing something up and like yeah. the whole warehouse falls over. Oh, oh, come on. There's catastrophic failure is not a forklift driver's fault, right? Your, your stuff should never collapse like that, even in the event of an accident. You sure. know you have forklifts yeah. driving around, but I hear what you're saying. And I, I think the, the, there are a lot of uniquely human ways to fail at driving right? Whether it's intoxication <laughs> or, or coming to work, you know, just too tired texting, partying last night, texting while off. driving, distraction, exactly. Like the, those things, it's not surprising. You look at just cars on the street and even a well-trained individual, especially in what is no doubt a pretty monotonous job, making mistakes that result in either loss of life or damage and cost, et cetera, et cetera. Um, automation in that space is brilliant. And then it also solves the problem of if I'm having trouble finding new people to hire in this or to keep up with the demand that we have for the role, then yay. So I think it's pretty cool that uh, forklifts are kind of finding their way into the robotic side of warehouse operations. And and it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's I it's think awesome. there's, there's just going to be a ton more of that stuff in general. Like there are yes. a lot of roles that just have to do with monotonous and then heavy lifting in warehouse operations. Seeing all of those sorts of roles go to robots and then keeping people for the, you know, the mental fortitude for um, dexterity, stuff like that. So they can do rapid tasks and make smart decisions on the fly. Right. I think, I think that's a good mix of technology and, and the workforce, but yeah. And it feels like nobody agrees with me on this yet, but I am still thoroughly convinced that in the not too distant future, all of our grocery stores, all of those types of stores will like your Home Depots, your Lowe's as well, those kinds of things, they will just turn into warehouses and you will only be able to do curbside pickup. Mm. All the shopping is going to be digital. I know you, you disagree. 
I, I, yeah. I, I'm thoroughly convinced. And we're recording I, it. We're putting it on the internet. That's, and in that's five good. years, I'm going to say. Five years. Look, so you're saying June five 29th. Years. Yeah. <laughs> June 29th, taking, 2020. <laughs> I'll take that bet. <laughs> because I, I don't years? disagree that the future is going to have more and more of that, but I do not think in five years that we will convert all of our big box stores to something like that. And and I think a big part of it will be industry slant, right? It's it's dollars, it's advertising, it's walking through a store and buying more than you came for. And that's It'll much digital, less likely though. to happen. You could get the same experience digitally. I don't mm, know if people disagree. Kind with that of. I mean, Dude, yes, I buy, to some extent, I, right? I have Obviously, never been on an Amazon, Amazon you get, store. Yeah, I've never been in an Amazon <laughs> store. I buy so much crap from Amazon and it just gets delivered to my, I don't even have to get in my car. And I, I, I scroll through my credit card bill every single month and it's like Amazon, 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 Amazon. That's all it is, right? And sure. when it's not Amazon, it's Walmart and we're doing curbside pickup. For Target. Sure. No, I, I hear you. And I do think the trend is going to move that way. I think you're wrong on your timeline. That's all I, that's all I got. Well, we'll be significantly um, closer to it, I'll say. Especially oh, sure. with Move this third wave fine. automation, fine. automatic forklift. It's it's stuff like this that, that doesn't exist to get us to where we need to be. Oh, absolutely. We're, we're accelerating that direction. Yep. No, I, I think there will be less and less of that stuff. I just don't I don't see it going away, certainly not in half a decade. Okay. But I like how passionate you are about it. And if you can go incite that change just to prove me wrong, then so be it. <laughs> everything i do is to prove you wrong tyler um okay we only have like five minutes left so i want to make sure i get in this little bit of uh funny news and then uh and then you you can close it out with the rest of your articles here but this was so i, I learned on youtube like a year or two ago i was watching this thing from an astronaut that was talking about what it smells like in space and ah, cool. he said he, he would refer to it as burnt steak <laughs> lucky for you that's pleasant an article <laughs> There's an article today. Eau uh, de Space uh, is being released. It's a fragrance. And uh, nice. it is to, yeah, it's a Kickstarter that was recently launched. <laughs> and it's to help you know what the smell of outer space looks like. It's all part of this this larger uh, STEM thing, right? Now, I'm not sure that people smelling burnt toast or burnt steak, rather, it's going to the get people excited about great. going space yeah they're also working on um smell of the moon quote unquote uh, i don't i don't later. understand all right i i have i have a huge problem with this in general the smell of outer space like oh what are you talking about the smell of that, the crew dragon capsule the smell of yeah. the international okay, space station the inside of your helmet when you're doing a spacewalk like no the outer space smells like you're dead smells <laughs> <laughs> like you're dead okay <laughs> So, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up because I had the same sort of mental block here because there's no air in space. So there's no, no there's smell nothing in space. to transmit smell. Yeah, exactly. So that purely means, okay, this is the smell inside your helmet. Gross. Right? So Steve, the guy <laughs> the that brought this, the, the one guy that answered this question either has a smelling disorder or for some reason smells like burnt steak, which is weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I've looked into it. There's, there's been a number of different astronauts I'm that have kidding, said the same sort of thing, right? So that is so Peggy, interesting. Yeah, so Peggy Whitson, uh, an astronaut and former resident of the ISS, she, she said, quote, this was back in 2002, she said, it's kind of like a smell from a gun right after you fire a shot. And then she went on, she said, I think it had almost a bitter kind of smell in addition to be smoky and burned. And then somebody else, another astronaut said, um, it smells like a mix of gunpowder, seared steak, raspberries, and rum. 
really specific. <laughs> so, yeah. I hope that they only asked people that had recently spent upwards of a year on the space station, because I feel like their mental state would lead to much more interesting answers than somebody that like just went up for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's that's very very interesting but i also feel like maybe we should just work on fixing the air quality in the space station because that sounds pretty awful sure yeah yeah (laughs) and it's it is absolutely like you said it's um it's misleading to say that it's the smell of space (laughs) it's the smell of the the smell of a very small number of man-made objects floating around in kind of space (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) okay we got uh, we got two minutes left three minutes left what what else do you want to touch on before before we shut it down uh, well, let's do this one to see if we can do it in two minutes. Um, apparently, Telegram had evaded a ban in Russia for years. And it was banned in Russia because uh, opposition political parties were using Telegram as a communication platform. And Russia does not like that, or at least the ruling party in Russia does not like that. So uh, Telegram's encryption capabilities uh, led to a ban because they want to be able to see what people are talking about. And, and I'm sure um, help them along out of the windows in some cases probably went off a deep end there, but um, it was interesting because I guess uh, it was a bit of a game of chicken and mouse. And I guess the ban has been lifted now. Not sure what, sorry, what led to that exactly. They didn't really touch it, but um, the creator of telegram was able to work around the Russian state operation that was trying to prevent them from being there. And most of it was through simple stuff, just routing through things like US-based AWS and GCP instances and stuff like that. But I guess it was a game of cat and mouse with the uh, the founder of Telegram, quote unquote, and, uh, and the Russian government. And he operated continuously in Russia during the entirety of that ban, which I thought <laughs> was very interesting. And also just a curious topic in general, right? Like being banned because you're encrypting, the slam yeah. being towards you know, being able to work against uh, political opposition, things like that. Like there's a, there's a lot of socio stuff right there. Yeah. But, well, I think you can kind of unwrap that further and say um, pretty much every single time tech companies are going to outmaneuver governments. Maybe, I don't know. That's, it's a bold statement, right? Cause hmm. um, it's not like you look and you think, ah, telegram, they're huge. They've got infinite funding to fight state sponsored, blah, blah, blah. It kind of depends on, how aggressively and which government doesn't want you to operate in in bounds, right? I think China maybe is more effective at stopping companies like Telegram from functioning. Their uh, their their global firewall, if you will, is probably a little bit more effective, at least from what I've read. I don't know if this is true or not for certain. It'd be fun to talk about it if somebody is familiar, right? Uh, yeah. But uh, it, you know, a government is effectively limitless in their ability to throw money at fixing a problem. So it kind of depends on how big of a problem they think that app is. Maybe yeah. Telegram. I guess I really just mean that they're always going to be they're always going to be reactionary, right? They're always going to be responding to. It, it feels yeah, that way true. to me, anyway. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I get the sentiment, right? It's sort of the DRM versus hackers stuff, right? It's yeah. a, it's always just a an escalation. Somebody's yeah. ahead, and and the. Uh, Consoles, as an example, you know, they don't stay ahead for very long because they release lots and lots of devices, and then one exploit is usually useful for all of them. So it's uh, it's tough as the state actor, quote unquote. In I still case. want to know how I was able to use YouTube when I was in China because apparently it was blocked. Anyway, we'll figure that out. If anyone uh, if anyone knows, if anyone uh, can talk about what's going on in China, we'd love to have you on the show and talk about it. But it's yeah. uh, at the top of the hour. I got to jump to another call.
Shut cool. her down. Nope. We, we want guests. Come join us. We love to talk to other people. We like your opinions. Then it's not just Aaron and I saying random stuff. But that brings today's Tech Breakfast random podcast smart stuff. to a close. Smart stuff. Yes. Uh, I meant to say super smart stuff. <laughs> we hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. And as always, if you got news we missed, general feedback, or you want to come join us on the show, hit us up. Let us know. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. And we will talk to you tomorrow. We love you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.